I'm Jacob. And I'm Jessica. Welcome to Clue Done It, the podcast where we make wild guesses about fake TV crimes. Without any clues, context, or apparently accuracy. All right, let's find out. Who was right. Who was wrong. And who is dead. Welcome to season two of Clue Done Yay, It. season two. Your favorite fake crime podcast show. True crime, TV we don't want crime. it. Too depressing. Keep us with the fake crime. Wrap it up. Show us who done it, and yes. let us get. Well, I mean, let us guess. Some guess cozy murder. Some cozy murder, if there is such a thing. This this week, we are starting back with one of the greats of well, a reboot of one of the greats. We are going yes. back to a. I you know what? Speaking of cozy, I like to think of it as actually a love show. I like to think of it as a romance. I call it kissy. Oh. Oh, Kissy Las do. Vegas. That's true. <laughs> it's very confusing to me. Kissy Las Vegas. This Kissy show. What are you talking about? Okay. Oh. And famously, famously, CSI is all about crime scene investigators. That's what we're doing. If you didn't catch that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the, CSI. The CS, show. CSI. Las CSI Vegas. Las Vegas. We're doing the reboot today. Yes. And uh, to help us out with this, we want. I want to call in one of my friends who is, in fact, a real CSI. Alicia, say hello. Hello. <laughs> Lisa, why don't you tell us your official title and what it is that you do? Uh, I'm a senior criminalist. I've been working um, as a criminalist in since 1999. and Since before this show then? Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, good point. Yeah, and so I started out working kind of in the DNA area, the DNA um, data bank, and I currently work examining body fluids okay now in like murders and sexual assaults and i have i don't do it anymore but i have gone out to the crime scenes the field but not anymore okay so i I have two questions about this one bodily fluids can you like (laughs) i can think of two bodily fluids the the main ones are semen and blood also saliva and to a lesser degree urine and feces okay there you go. There you go. Yeah. Those, 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 those don't come up. Those two don't come up that often, but I am qualified to do it. Not too many people are these days because I think it's, it's a dying art. Wow. Fluids or really? feces? The, the feces and the urine. Okay. Oh. Why, why is it a dying art? I think because it's usually when you are looking for it, like I mean, you can, you know, the very serious crime that you could be looking for now would be strangulation, like in a sexual assault or just a regular, oh. you know, strangulation. After a certain amount of time, uh, the victim who's strangled will lose uh, control of their bodily functions. So if I'm looking for like urine in, you know, the crotch of jeans or something that could help prove, you know, that they were strangled. Okay. So my second question about this, and this was a question for me, every time I watch one of these CSI shows or like anything with like crime scene text on it. Like you, you do actually go, you have actually been to the crime scene. Like I'm always like, that's yes. that. No, no, they would never go to a crime scene, but you have been to a crime scene then. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, you know, what I'll say about in general about these shows, all the CSI shows or NCIS or whatever, every department or agency that you work for is going to be different, but yeah. So where I work, we do both work in the lab and go out to crime scenes. Okay. Well, that it's was... just something I don't do anymore because I got tired of it and didn't want to do it anymore. So yeah. I, when they gave us the option to not, I was like, okay, bye. <laughs> I'm done. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and why, what about it is like, like annoying or off-putting that you're like, I don't want to do that anymore. Uh, the the amount of time you have to be out there, you know, you could be out there for hours. It always takes much longer than you think it will. You know, it, in, in the lab, if you are working on a case, there's virtually like no way that you're going to like permanently screw up a case. You can always go back and do more work or things like that at a crime scene. If you miss something, so say you're working on a case, you know, at a scene, you leave, you go back to the lab. And then when someone reviews your work, And they'll be like, oh, I think you should have collected that thing. Or, oh, I think you should have done that. Maybe you can go out again and see if that evidence evidence is still there. But I don't know. It's done. It's done. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So here's finally the final real question that everyone's dying to ask is, as a criminalist, as a CSI person, 
what is your favorite flashlight? Because if there's one thing I know, it's that you all carry <laughs> flashlights with you all the time. And you don't turn on lights. You just wave your flashlight around. So what's your favorite flashlight? Well, when I would respond to the scene, I know I had a mag light in the lab. We have something called a, I think it's called a stinger or something. And we use that to look at evidence, you know, a high powered light. So, <laughs> you know, I did not expect you to actually have a favorite flashlight. I'm learning to, all these things today. Not necessarily with going out to scene in the mag light, but at least in, in the lab, we document everything. So if I'm looking at a piece of evidence with another light source aside from you know normal we call it just normal lights then I write down what it is so that's why I know like the name like stinger I believe is what it's called that brand of flashlight or high intensity light so okay. you just have to know these things because we have to document them okay right. so clearly the things that I thought were fake are actually kind of real <laughs> what are the things what are the things that you know are actually fake and drive you batty about this show well, I would say like number one, and again, when I went, what I said before, not every department is the same. They, you're not going to be carrying a weapon. There used to be one lab in the state I know of that many years ago, their crime scene, well, not necessarily crime scene, their criminalists did carry weapons, but that's just, that doesn't happen these days. We're all lab people. Like we're not we don't go through the police academy. So mm. no one's carrying a weapon. No one's interrogating a suspect. Essentially in this show, they're acting like detectives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and then the other thing is, oh. you know, I, you know, it's about, you know, I'm sure they're creating quirky characters, but they all seem to like get off on details of the crime and things like that. And most of us, I mean, I would say most of the people I meet in the field are very dedicated, you know, treating it as a profession, going to professional meetings and, you know, studying extra things. But it's essentially, you know, we go to work, we do our work, we go home, we treat it as a job. We don't, no one like gets overly excited about you know, elements of a crime. So that's like another, that's, I would say the other thing that is way off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Catch us up to date. What's going on this season? Well, so this season is a reboot uh, from the show that started in 2000. And I just wanted to roll back a sec. CSI was a juggernaut, mm -hmm. like the forensic and criminal justice majors in colleges and, and other academies, like just really exploded. What brought you to the business before that? I don't know, because I was watching, I don't know if I mentioned it or something. My mom, like in her mind, she thought I like was drawn to it because of CSI. I was like, no, I was, it was before that. And like, no, I don't like the show like that. I don't know. I know I wanted to, I think at first being an FBI agent, but then I saw Sons of the Lambs, which is like one of my favorite movies. And I was like, no, I don't want to be an FBI agent. <laughs> Wait a minute, I, Hannibal Lecter? No, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was more like the, the beginning part at Quantico. I was like, no, oh, I yeah. Do that. I was always good at science. And I don't know, I must have like looked in a library or something and found, you know, forensic science so I could combine, you know, this idea of like law enforcement, I guess, and then science. And then, yeah. That's so cool. That's, That's really fantastic. great. I had no idea that Silence of the Lambs was so was such a pivotal movie for you. Yeah, yeah. Very impactful. Mm -hmm. Which is funny because I I started knowing Alicia when she was writing romantic comedies. So <laughs> <laughs> that is my thing. But back um, but oh, to this yeah, show. So to this yeah. show. So this was actually uh, developed in the nineties. It was written by it was a Anthony Zulker was writing a film and he brought it to Jerry Bruckheimer's attention and was like, I think this actually would be a series. And Jerry Bruckheimer agreed and they brought it to Touchstone Pictures and also to ABC, NBC and Fox executives. One of the things that kind of made me laugh about this was that, it, of course, it went ahead with CBS but before it was acquired by them, the show, like I said, was offered to ABC in 1999, but the network rejected it because it was too confusing for the average viewer. 
<laughs> watch I can't remember the old show, but watching this season, I'm like, this is so basic. What's whoa, even whoa, happening? Whoa, no, no, that's not like that is not true. Like we literally had a pause last night and you're like, wait a minute, I'm not following. What happened with the dog? Why is the dog okay, there? You're right. You're so right. I Okay. Yeah. But that was not the pilot. I feel that like was not the pilot. No, it is. It is pretty. Was like just because they were trying to establish so much, they were like cut, 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 cut. It was so straightforward. Yeah. I, I think there was only really one suspect in the pilot. I was <laughs> it's like, true. Oh, it's her. There, oh, yeah, it's her. <laughs> uh, sorry if we just spoiled the pilot for everybody. Oh, they, they should know. There's spoilers <laughs> everywhere on this show. Okay, so the show again um, premiered in 2000. It went for 15 seasons. The original show logline was, the series follows an elite team of police forensic evidence investigation experts as they work their cases in Las Vegas. And then what this brings us to now is that facing an existential threat that could bring down the crime lab in Las Vegas, a brilliant team of forensic investigators must welcome back old friends and deploy new techniques to preserve and serve justice in Sin City. So we have a bunch of returning characters from the old show coming into this first season. Yeah. And the, in short, Gil, Gil comes back for sure. Georgia Fox comes back. Sarah Seidel is her character name. She was in the old show. She was married to Gil. Mm-hmm. And They're then, still married, it seems well, like. Well, no, they divorced um, in the middle of those seasons. Oh. And then they, when they left, they left as a couple, but they were actually exes. I didn't know that. Yeah. I could so, not keep up with all So now they're seasons. together. They're still together in a relationship, but they are actually not married. Okay. Apparently. Okay. Time then, of death. Yeah. Eight years. Yes. <laughs> so the first, this first, the pilot episode sets up this arc in the reboot that Brass uh, is attacked. Brass was the head dete- head of the whole CSI Curmudgeon, unit. badass. They're trying to find, figure out who came after him. And then at the very end, we find out that actually the, the whole point of this was not to target Brass. It is to target Hodges. Hodges, who was in the original show. They've set up Hodges as a fraud so that... All of the cases that this crime lab was involved in need to be overturned and all these criminals released and it will discredit all of their work. So yeah. that is the existential That's what threat. I was saying. That oh. it's discrediting not just not just Hodge's work, but Brass and Sarah Seidel and Gill. And then also it will discredit all of the current people who are working in the CSI, which includes actors Paula Newsom and Matt Loria and Mandeep Dion and Mel Rodriguez and and some other folks as well. So we're watching episode nine in season one and it's called Waiting in the Wings. The CSI team investigates the eccentric world of sideshows when a couple of performers are discovered burnt in a pit and Hodges mulls a plea deal as his criminal trial kicks off. All right. Fire up, who are you? Get your soundtrack ready. Grab your favorite flashlight, because here we go. Crime scene investigators, Vegas. Somebody give me the give me, give me a who's cry. Well, all I can think of is the Miami guy. The... That'll do. So wrong. <laughs> it's the wrong show. <laughs> Back with our guesses in a minute. People get killed immediately. First scene, we've got two bodies, not just one body, two bodies. First scene, there's an angel lying in a ditch, which I'm sorry, you just know that there is some like, some eighth grader who's just like, oh man, the symbolism here is just, it's amazing. Like, yes, (laughs) have fun with your black turtleneck. But there's a, there's an angel lying in the bottom of a ditch and this uh, person is thrown on top of them. He's been beat up a lot. He looks to have horns and claws. He looks to be a devil. Someone... From up above on top of the ditch is pouring gasoline on them. And they, the devil is like, no, don't do this. And he reaches out for the angel. He's clearly in love with the angel. They're a couple. The guy lights the torch. The angel and devil get thrown up into the into the uh, flames. That's what I'm looking yeah, for. Yes. In the ditch. Which flames. I, I want to add, I didn't say this in the beginning. Sometimes I talk about where they film. 
they film in Santa Clarita because they're like, it's so like Las Vegas. And I'm like, <laughs> LOL, it looks nothing like Las Vegas. There are far too many trees. <laughs> it's always like, that's my logic cop moment. No, that doesn't look like that at all. Far too many trees. Far too many. Far too many trees. Um, far too yes, many trees. So they're dead. Lots of place. The next scene is Hodges on trial. Yeah. He's can like the I'm sorry, the actress who plays the district attorney or whoever the prosecuting attorney is, oh my gosh, she has a great monologue about guilt oh, and how it's but she just like you can just I talk fast, don't get me wrong. It's one of my New Year's resolutions is to actually talk <laughs> slower on this podcast so that like I'm I think what happens is that I listen to all my podcasts at one point five playback speed. Oh. <laughs> So I think that that's how fast I have to be talking. So I'm trying to slow down, but this actress clearly went to the William Shatner <laughs> school acting. Everything is so drawn out to make it so dramatic. Gil and Sarah are there to, to be there for their friend who at this point, we haven't watched all the episodes this season, so I don't know if he's actually guilty or not, but... I'm going to assume that he's not actually because the very next scene, what's the name of the, of the, of the black lady who runs the lab now? The character's name. I think her name is Roby. Yes. Her name is Roby. I'm going to pronounce it Roby or Robbie, R-O-B-Y, according to my closed captioning. She and Folsom are shaking down this perp named Guillermo who somehow Anton Wicks. I'm not going to spend too much time on this because frankly, we don't care about the season long arc. We're just here for the angel and demon death. Anyways, they're shaking this guy down, getting more evidence, trying to link the big bad guy to doing all this and setting up Hodges. And then we go back to the crime scene. Folsom. Folsom is both with, he starts out with Robbie at this, and then he goes over and joins, what's the other lady's name? Rajan. They have an Indian lady, Indian from Asia, not uh, Native American or First Nations. They have an Indian lady on the CSI team now, and she and Folsom have kind of this like, forbidden love thing going on she's got the hots for him well she's say anything. engaged to somebody else she lives with somebody else. yeah you're right she does um but she's clearly got the hots for him yeah yeah anyways they go and they do, they have discovered the bodies which have been buried like not just they haven't just been lit on fire after they were lit on fire they've been buried and some road crew construction people mm-hmm. saw them and the interesting the one clue we got was that the horns and everything else were actually part of his skeleton. Mm-hmm. They weren't makeup, they were his skeleton. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what kind of body modifications are happening here. I'm not That's sure that they got. actually were buried. I think that the road, they were just, there was road crew construction. They they came in in the morning and saw these two bodies. But then I thought that I thought one of the CSIs said, made some sort of like, either like they were saying they thought they had been there a year oh, oh yeah no, they, they, they've right. been there a minute but they've i didn't know if that way. was like that was their thought and that's not true it's it's unclear definitely. Okay. okay i agree i agree with that there but so but we do we've got after some unknown period of time these bodies have been found and we don't know anything about it and there were it looked it looked to be a guy pouring gas and lighting the flame on them the shadows the shadows yeah, yeah. Right. So we got an angel. We got a demon. They're, they've been killed. Again, going back to your eighth grade Dante story. By the way, if some... you are an eighth grader who's reading Dante, good on you. Like that's that's usually college right <laughs> or there. So... Your, or your Dan Brown readers. Uh, <laughs> well, that'll give demons. you a <laughs> Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Okay. That's going to be my first. That's going to be my first oh, guess then that okay. actually it is an author who was doing research who killed them all because they were going to ruin his next novel, his next high stakes novel out there. Dang, lock that in, Jacob. All right. That's just where I'm starting from here. Alicia, do you have anything? Okay, before, Alicia looks very studious right now. She's taking notes on something. So I don't want to interrupt her right now. So I just want to say, like, what kind of, we all know, or maybe we don't know, I've been proven wrong so many times today on this podcast. Like, there are all of these tests like there are all these tests that you can do, like DNA tests, and like you do this thing, and the Q-tip turns blue, or you do this, and like oh, the, yeah. the and thing the turns red. Oh, this means blood. So, like, violent. what tests do you use for angels and demons? Like, oh my God, the the Q-tip sparkles now. Like, what? Like, how do you? <laughs> <laughs> well, since their bodies looked, you know, super burnt, I don't know 
I mean, it, I don't think there's going to be a lot of trace evidence. I don't think there's, I mean, I think burning is definitely a good way to go to get rid of evidence. So I feel like, I mean, who knows, we'll see what they invent. I would think a big thing that they would have to do is toxicology, you know. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. um, so no crosses you don't think they have to bring in crosses or rosaries or anything well i'm sure they can do see- they could i'm sure get dna and you know run the tests to make sure that it's you know human and such but i don't know dental, dental records do, <laughs> sure. do gotta have angels some de- have do angels to- have dental records <laughs> get dental work uh, i do want to point out to your comment alicia that like they're burning the character they're burning the the bodies. the bodies, the victims, and so there's let there's less chance of evidence, or there's it's harder to find evidence. And I wonder if this reboot is trying to address what has happened since the of the CSI effect, which right, is everyone, a thing that's happened that's now. It's something that's come up in the literature and in 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 journalism is that now in the or in the justice system is that because of criminals watching CSI, they now know how to, or they have some ideas ideas of how to get rid of evidence and exonerate themselves. On the other hand, it also means that some victims have been able to get around that and do things in order to keep evidence alive for them and preserve evidence. I don't know. I would have a real hard time masturbating if I was being kidnapped. No, but there was, for instance, this woman who who spit in okay. the car. That would be easier. Where yes. she had been kidnapped, and then she also pulled out her hair. In you know order what? To that's also behind. a good idea. I don't. I don't know why I went to masturbation there. I don't either. <laughs> you do. I will say, like, I mean, I don't know. You know, I haven't done any research on the CSI effect, but I would say it's probably the most impact or the biggest impact is probably on juries and jurors expecting there always to be crime scene evidence or physical evidence where there may not be. And I don't know if that affects how much weight they give to if there's evidence presented at the trial, but I would think that would be because, I don't know, people who are committing crimes are still leaving behind evidence. (laughs) (laughs) But maybe it's because they've forgotten about CSI. Maybe now with the reboot, they'll wisen up. Curse you, Jerry <laughs> But you, so you mentioned toxicology though, when you were, you were saying, mm-hmm. Hey, we'll get into the toxicology of that. What did you mean? Like, what, how would you approach this? Like, what would you look for evidence? And then how do you think they'll look for evidence? I think that would be primarily, that would be the coroners at the autopsy, collect the organs and extract whatever from the organs, like the liver or something. And, mm. you know, detect levels of, you know, Maybe there's a poison, drugs, things like that. But when it comes to like an organ from a dead body, that's the coroner's job or the medical examiner on. I loved in the first episode when they took the organs from the body that had been dead. Oh, desiccated. Desiccated desiccated and rehydrated them. them. And then they rehydrated them in a Pyrex. (laughs) And I mean, I guess that can happen. But wait, yeah, wait, we wait, need can... lab equipment. We need glassware. <laughs> I was like, well, I think I have that pan. Oh, I can do that too, I guess. I also, so I'm glad you told us the very real reasons why you left the field. Like go, you, you were still in the field, but left the going crime on scene. crime yeah. scene. But one of the things that I have enjoyed research, doing research for the show and looking at images and pictures not only are the flashlights because those show up in like all their like cool show photography, but also what I call the coroner crouch, <laughs> which I was like, is, is this something we need to rehearse? Is this like appropriate, like ways yeah, in yeah. which you can minimize your yeah, footprint? Wake, wake up and do like, you have to wake up every, every CSI has like wake up and do 20 squats every morning just to stay in shape. Yeah. The, the coroner crouch. Yeah. <laughs> But there's always that worry if you're working in a crime scene where there's a news van or whatever that like you're gonna like just like bend over right in front of the camera. Oh gosh, <laughs> of course, of course. I haven't heard any guesses from anybody else. I'm not saying I'm sticking with my guess, but I haven't heard any guesses from anybody else. I'm just saying. I'm guessing, I mean, we've been shown so little. We know nothing. Yes. So, we know nothing. No clues, 
Still guessing. An underground circus. An illicit love affair, perhaps. Okay, yeah, I can absolutely... One of the two was married to, you know, master ceremonies or the owner or whatever, and their affair was discovered. Like, she's been having an affair with the devil and betrayed the MC, and so the MC is getting revenge on them. Okay. So, okay, so you're going you're going with the MC. You think it was the MC at the side show where they work because she was having an affair with him. Okay. Or you could really twist and have, like... Maybe it's two dudes having an affair or something, but fair enough. Yeah, she yeah. was killed. She was killed first. I'm still sticking with my idea that this was, that this was somehow. I I don't know that this was a novel writer. No, you know what? No, I am. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with a Hunter S. Thompson type character who's coming in and doing research on the sideshow, a director or a reporter or something coming in, falling in love, getting it over his head and trying to back his way out and killing them both as like retribution for feeling as if he himself, he himself has somehow been sullied or sinned by getting involved in this relationship. So he feels guilty about it and he's trying to destroy the evidence of his interference there. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with that. I am going to stick with that. Okay. I'm going to go off the rails here. Please do. Please do. <laughs> Big swing. Big swing. I'm totally going to be wrong here. I think they are actual angels and demons, even though it says sideshows. Sure. And, and. This is their mystical episode. It's their second to last episode. It's their mystical episode. The whole like, does Santa Claus exist? This is their And they, you know, they were playing these characters in sideshows, but they were actually running from God. Right. And this person had, was saying, I'm throwing you into hell. I'm lighting you on fire so that you can go back to hell because your your love is all wrong and so you, you think can't that be on earth i'm sending you to the de- i'm sending this this is this devil was a demon yeah and so demons and angels and demons yeah yeah, yeah. And so okay they, the human perpetrator had been told by god or the devil or you know whomever, whomever some judgment maybe purgatory person to send them back and i don't know how csi is going to prove this but, but even without the whole like supernatural element to that, the idea that maybe there is some like true believer out there who really does believe that these are angels and demons and they need to be, because their relationship is wrong, they need to be punished. I like that. I'm taking it. Yeah. I'm just, I'm going I, there. I hear you. I think that the whole office is going to have a religious experience. <laughs> I think there's going to be some Dante that's read, some circles of hell. They're going There's, to be explored. This is, this is their full, their full, their full on like angels to heck with evidence and everything else. Like, like yeah. God and the supernatural exist and, and we're going that, to prove it. That, All right. <laughs> well, we're going to watch the rest of the episode and see if our guesses hold up. Well, hold on. Well, okay. Well, let's what? take some prop bets. Okay, here. sure. Please. Okay. Or we can discuss this. Do you have any other comments that you want to make? No, I mean, it was super short. There was. Yeah. I mean, just in general, you know, it's always been something with this show, you know, because I've maybe seen one episode of CSI, the original, you know, they always handle evidence. You would, she would never take that stack of money out and like handle it. I mean, because you're going to want to process that for fingerprints and DNA, like just leave it. I mean, she can see it, look in the box, leave it there, take it to the lab they're going to photograph it. Like no one ever photographs anything before they touch it. That's just a big no, no. Got it. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. And I wouldn't just be touching anything, even with, you know, gloves on. I wouldn't just be touching willy nilly something with prints or for DNA, just because I'd want to like handle it as carefully as possible. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense for sure. So couple of prop bets hit me will they pronounce nevada like nevadans (laughs) because apparently in the last show i don't remember this because i didn't live in nevada at the time or i guess i wasn't watching while while we were there but george and uh and well sericidal played by georgia fox Fox. would pronounce nevada nevada even though they lived in i mean the characters i don't know why that's a thing why do people think it's pronounced that way i I know it's so weird in california we pronounce it nevada yeah in nevada they pronounce it nevada and if you don't pronounce it nevada you get shit i mean if you you live in la and you call it los feliz like everyone's gonna be like what where were you 
<laughs> okay, so how many, how many Nevadas? If they do it at all. I sure. Have we seen, I can't remember anymore, but like, I mean, the original CSI was really famous for doing the whole like bullet POV, like the bullet entering oh, yes, the body and getting so like cool. all the computer graphics everywhere on this. I have, I don't know that we've seen so much of the computer graphics, like things are enhanced, but I don't know that we've seen really like bullets going into something or not. Am I mistaken? No. I'm trying to think in the pilot. I feel like I saw something not like that, but I don't know if it was like a transition between scenes that was kind of like different, but no, we haven't seen yeah. that. Yeah. I'm yeah. You're right. I want, I want we to, should keep an eye out for give sure. Give me some mocap. Uh, give, me some, give me some crazy CGI. Yeah. CGI, mocap. CGI Vegas. Animated something. Yeah. All right. Well, there we go. Let's watch the rest of this episode. Count the crouches and uh, come back and tell you how we did. Okay, I'm just going to say this right off the top, everybody, in case you were worried that a show that is grounded in the main thesis that nothing matters except cold, hard evidence, I want to I wanna reassure you that, no, in fact, they did not go to the God is real and that there are angelic and demonic <laughs> beings all around us and that is who actually killed them. I just was putting it out there. <laughs> Somebody should, right? Sure, why not? It's right there in front of us. It's right there in front of us. Yes, yes. But maybe consider the context. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I appreciate. I appreciate the willingness to go there. It's a a good thing. So, if I if I remember correctly, in fact, none of us won. Like my my Hunter S. Thompson writer getting drawn in was not a thing. Yeah, and. There was no for a hot second. It looked like it might have been the MC, right? But did was did they really establish that the doctor was in love with her? Yes. Yeah. Okay, I kind of got that. Right. You definitely. Yeah. You definitely got the love triangle part in there. Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And you. Well, for that matter, I mean, if we're going there, like I said, that my writer guy was in love with them, but also wanted to punish them. So I mean, kind of got that too, but. There's no moral victories. As I have said in this show before, there are no moral victories. No half points. points. (laughs) No half points. (laughs) All right. So, yeah. So none of us got it. In fact, as Alicia just mentioned, it was the doctor who you don't know who that is yet. But there was a doctor who was involved and the doctor did it. I will say this. This was in the recap. As soon as the doctor appeared on screen, Jessica literally said he did it. Like, literally, <laughs> haven't even said a word. Like, as soon as the doctor appeared on screen, Jessica was like, he did it. That's the one. I'm and impressed. I was rooting for him to not have done it, just to, like, not have that be right. <laughs> but okay. All right, here we go. Here is, I'm going to go through the synopsis. I'm going to start, actually, I'm going to start out that by just saying that the whole Sarah and Gil and Robbie storyline where they're trying to get Hodges. He's on trial and the bad guy's trying to get him and they're trying to put a plea deal on it. I'm not gonna, I'm not even gonna bring that up anymore. I'm just gonna say that it's happening. It's over there. It's the B story. I don't care. I'm not gonna waste your time or ours with that. If, you, if you're interested in that, you know, go watch, go watch the show. Let's go back. Let's go back to our main story here with the demon and angel. We start with Folsom and Rajan and Hugo examining the bodies. And you're right. They talked a lot about toxicology and that was the only way that they could get something from them because uh, their bodies were so burnt and old. Their names, the performers' names, just in case I refer to them later on, are Jonah and Tori Tanner. They were performers in Bizarre Del Arte, a sideshow. Their act was based on Milton. So they're definitely going for the like classical reference here. Hugo, the coroner or the medical examiner or the guy who deals with dead bodies is the one who says all that and they really position Hugo as having like the soul of a poet in this he is he really likes he like he has a videotape of their performance and he really likes it and they one of the reasons he knew them or he didn't know them but his wife knew them because his wife is a fire dancer which I thought was a great little convenient. just throw away What's that? yes convenient very convenient it's this, a small town, Las Vegas. Well, I guess. I guess in Vegas, you're going to meet more fire performers than another. 
I would say that yes, it, as as a, maybe Portland, you have a greater ratio of fire performers to normal people, but Vegas is either right there with them. I think is what's happening. With yeah, that. yeah. Well, I think that's what they think. I ironically, Las Vegas has a ton of acrobats, not so many of the fire people. Oh, but LA always thinks that there's a lot of fire performers in Las Vegas. It's too hot. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody needs more of that. <laughs> in any event, they uh, they do talk about as as they're talking about the cause of death for the people and they can't really figure out cause of death. They do say that the guy they immediately launch into the CSI CGI. I was complaining yes, that we didn't yes. have the CGI and this is so cool. Like you follow the smoke into the guy's lungs, and I was just like, yes, with those crazy sound effects too. Yes. I was literally like, uh, oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. His bronchioles are inflamed. He's shot through his soot. <gasps> Smoke inhalation. He was burned alive in that pit. By then, Tori was already deceased. So the dead bodies are there, and then we meet our first suspect, the kid. Jonah and Tori had a kid whose name is on the nose like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> Dante. Of course they named their kid Dante. I love that. He did not. He was Judgy McJudgerson. No. Yeah, he yeah, was he totally was. embarrassed by his parents. He did not like them to the point where you're kind of like, huh, maybe the kid offed his parents. Mm -hmm. But he goes away and then they examine the bodies some more. And as they're examining the bodies, Rajan and Folsom are like making goo-goo eyes at each other and doing some like low-grade flirting like they've been doing all season long. And uh, Rajan, Rajan like leans in and Folsom thinks that she's about to make a move on him. But instead she pulls out this little small red thread in the angel wings that she has. Little sad trombone music. Off his shoes. No, the shoes are later. The okay. shoes come later because I thought the same thing. But no, she finds it in the wings first. Okay. I thought he found it in the wings and then she found it on his shoe. Oh, maybe that's what I... Because I got definitely got confused about all this. Oh, okay. Somebody, they're making goo-goo eyes at each other. Yeah. And somebody finds it in the wings. Okay. Yeah, because they're both like, what's going on? What's going on? Is this going to be a kiss? Oh, nope. I'm just pulling a thread from the wings. So you're right. Maybe it is Mark doing that. Oh, not Mark. Folsom doing that at that point. Because Mark is her boyfriend whom she is still like faithful to even though maybe she doesn't want to be yeah because she leaves the lab to go have dinner with mark at a steakhouse he's already ordered some fancy tomahawk steak and she's like great i'll just eat now and she starts to cut into the steak and she realizes oh my goodness a knife cutting into a steak could leave marks in a bone <gasps> <laughs> oh my goodness we need to look for what knife or instrument caused these marks on the bone i'm like because she remembers that the Tori, the victim, had a mark in her bone, and they were just like, huh, that's not caused by fire. But then they just kept... They kept, like, I'm, like, this, on. this felt like the biggest... <laughs> Noted. <laughs> yeah, like, this felt like such a no-clue clue. I'm like, yes, yes. Knives well, you know, cause Marcus files to dinner. Yes! yes! Oh my god, that was hilarious! She, she she cuts into the bone and then she's like, this looks just like, and she opens up the case files with these Which pictures. Which is sitting next to her napkin. Right, right like, on the table. By her water glass. And her boyfriend is just like, oh, that's so gross. Why did you do that? Uh, so many things going wrong there. Yes. So, but at least we know that she's at least as good a detective as it never morse. Yes. Who also famously took the home. All of his stuff home. Yes, <laughs> files home. So she's like, oh my gosh, it's, it seems like a lame clue, but she's, she's excited about it. Um, and they're like, now we need to just, we need to figure out what knife or anything made those clues, made, made these clues, made these marks. Let's go talk to everybody who she may have done it. So she and Folsom go out and start talking to people. The first person they visit is the doctor. And yes, again, literally as soon as he came on screen, Jessica was like, that's it. He did it. But... He expresses his innocence because, you know, it's still only act two and you got to have something to do. He shares it. He expresses his innocence. He shares his records and he says that his scalpels are far too narrow to make these marks. His scalpels are three to four millimeters. Making these marks must have been an axe or a sword or a knife. I want to pause here for a second and ask our criminalist, 
do you really know, like, do you really look at like knife marks on a bone and be like, yes, this must be a scalpel because it's only two millimeters versus this is three or four millimeters? No, I mean, I guess maybe you could make a measurement and stuff, but it's not something that like you like, you would automatically know. And we don't deal with a lot of bones. Again, I think that's a corner thing. I know coworkers who've had skulls because a couple different cases where like someone's been stabbed in the head and the tip of the knife has been embedded in the skull. And so they remove it to try to make a physical match between like a knife that's been collected and the tip. But measuring things like that to me is like dicey because, you know, you don't know, like even like, so if I get a a piece of clothing, like I, and I measure it. I just measure things to measure, to give information. I'm never going to make a conclusion about what type of knife or blade or size or whatever, because you don't know how things act in, you know, in, you know, in motion or whatever. Mm. So like using a knife on a bone, like, and like a bone in someone's like body while they're alive is more pliable than a bone that's been exposed to air and it's just, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 absolutely. This is great. I'm, I'm realizing that as we're dealing with fake crimes and wild guesses, we're actually getting real information here, which is new for us. And I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so now, now they have to find the knife or the weapon or the ax or the sword that made these marks. And that's kind of hard because it seems that everybody at uh, Bazaar dell'Arte or whatever they call their circus has something to do with a knife, with an edged weapon. Yeah, they're, it's hard to narrow down. It's but, hard to narrow down because uh, they've got yeah. they've got people who put uh, flames on their swords. Again, with the, everybody seems yeah. to think there's flames everywhere in Vegas. Flames on their swords. Then there's the axe thrower and then there's the sword swallower. And it turns out, in fact, that the sword, sword swallower is the one that has the sharpest knives. Because she's like, I have to cut things with them all the time in the show to show people that they're real. So I have to keep them short. And the Rajan and Fulton. What's that? She has to keep them sharp. Yes. Uh, You said short. Short. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's just, that is my own, like, if I were going to be swallowing knives, I'd want them to be very short. Short. Yes. (laughs) But no, yes, she has to keep them very sharp. Thank you for that. But she says that one thing you haven't looked at is death scythe. And I had to calm Jessica down a little bit here because I was like, no, they're not actually going to bring in the personification of death with a scythe. Oh, uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, sorry. So Jess was disappointed that the literal embodiment of death would not be in the show. And you know who else was disappointed? Rajan, whose boyfriend Mark is now calling her with new job offers because he doesn't like the idea of not see, having seen these pictures over dinner. He doesn't like that she's dealing with this. She's annoyed by this and she asks Folsom for his advice and he doesn't give it. He's like, he does the whole man thing where he just shuts up and walks away. He's like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, sure. Your decision. So he sublimates and they go visit the director of the show. uh, And the director of the show says, yeah, I had the site because it was mine. I went and I needed to replace him in the show. So I went to their house and took it back. Meanwhile, Dante, the kid, Jonah and Tori's kid has already put the house up for sale. So he's looking more and more suspicious. But they do all the tests in the director's office and none of the fibers in the office match match the sample they found in the wings. So the director's in the clear and it seems like everybody in the show is in the clear. So they don't know what's going on. They're still making eyes at each other. And this is where the shoe comes in. Mm, Rajan is making eyes at Folsom. And she thinks, he's kind of thinking, wait a minute, is she going to make a play on me? And she leans forward. And is it a kiss? Is it a kiss? No, that's when she pulls the thread out of his shoe. And that's where like, oh, this is the one. This matches the angel's wing. So clearly we've been somewhere today. We've already seen where this has happened. We just need to go back and retrace our steps and figure out where it is. You know what this means? Wherever Tori Tana's body was dragged, we've already been there. Okay, Alicia, if you had to make any kind of test, any test you wanted, like just what what test would you make? Like, or how would you zhuzh up a test? Like, would you like put sparkles into something or like how would you make something just easier or what test would you need? 
Well, not so much a test, but well, I guess a test, some sort of thing where I wouldn't have to look at a slide to look for sperm because part of analyzing uh, a case for or evidence for semen, um, semen is sperm plus seminal fluid. And looking for sperm is kind of, can be difficult because it's very tiny a lot of times. So I don't know if people know, but a sperm, an intact sperm is a sperm head and a tail. And most of the time we don't get tails. So you're just looking for a sperm head, which is very tiny. It can be really difficult. So I would love some sort of test or a special microscope that would automatically like do the work for you and tell you, oh, there's one sperm, two sperm. Like it would count sperm for you so that I didn't have to spend all my time <laughs> looking yeah. under the microscope for sperm. Yeah, that makes sense. Like it's, it's a, it has a macro that's like looking, looking, yeah. looking, 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 boop, 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 right there. Boop, yeah, boop, boop, right it there. basically does your work for you. That would be right. great. Yeah. Can- we can have a little Dr. Seuss on this too. One sperm, two sperm, red sperm, blue sperm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Back, anyways, back to the doctor's office. They go back to the doctor's office and yep, they find out that the thread in the wings and on Folsom's shoe was from the doctor's chair. The doctor Cho denies everything, but they keep, they say, great, you won't mind if we look around. So they examine the whole office and Folsom starts looking at the glass in the doctor's bookcase, which is behind his desk. And as he examines the glass, he's looking at Rajan's reflection in it. And Rajan, Rajan is doing the coroner's crouch and thinks that he's flirting with her. And she's kind of like, oh, 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 but no. What he realizes is that the glass on one side of the cabinet is newer than the glass on the other side of the cabinet. They put together, and there's blood inside of the cabinet. They put together the fact that at some point, he must have thrown the angel into the cabinet. The glass is what cut her veins and cut into her bone. They present Dr. Cho with the evidence. He denies it, but eventually he confesses and he says, you know what? Yep, it was him. He just loved her. He wanted to keep seeing her so he wouldn't heal her correctly so they would keep coming back. And when they threatened to go see someone else to treat her, he panicked and he threw her into the cabinet, which killed her. And then he really panicked and burned and buried their bodies. So moral of the story, don't panic when you really should just tell someone you love them, I guess, is what's there. You know, maybe. Yeah. Like, you know. Oh, well, did you say part about the sugar pills? No, I didn't say anything about the sugar pills. Well, they were visiting him because she had a recurring infection right. from her surgery, her angel wing surgery. And he kept giving her sugar pills this is the big motivation right. is so, because he was in love with her and he wanted her to keep coming back to see him instead of going to other doctors or just getting better and never seeing him again. And so he gave her sugar pills and, in order that they would keep coming back to him for the infect, the treatment of the infection. But she was sick. She was yeah. really out of it. So that was it. That's what happened. Final little scene between Folsom with Folsom, Rajan, and Hugo as they tell Dante what happened to his parents. And Dante's like, I really did love them. I was just embarrassed that maybe now I have some closure and I can get rid of all this. And But there's still that whole like love, what do you do when you're in love and you can't tell somebody a question out there. And Folsom still is not giving Rajan any advice about what to do with her boyfriend. And Hugo finally has to like tell her, look, he's not going to tell you to dump him. And Rajan's like, what? What what Hugo doesn't say is that it's because he's in love with you. But that's what it's meant. Everybody knows that they're in love and they'll get together. At least I hope they at least set the stage for getting together in episode 10. And that's it. There you go. It was the doctor. None of us won. What else do we need to cover? The other thing we didn't set a, like a prop bet on particularly, but I mentioned that it might come up is watching for people pronouncing it Nevada. And crazy, I don't know if you noticed this, the attorney... The district attorney. The district attorney and the lawyer, DA, and her boss. Yeah, both of them. Both of the people who work for the Nevada Department of Justice. Who's over the DA? The attorney general, right? I think it was the attorney general and the DA who was trying the case, the lawyer, both said... Nevada. Nevada. And I was like, what are you doing? You're a government official. (laughs) Nevada. No. Nevada, people. Was there anything 
was there anything super egregious to you as you watch this episode? Like, was there anything that was just like, oh my God, this is just sheer fantasy now? Well, I'm sure this has happened before in the show, but they wear their lab coats like unbuttoned, like they're just like jackets. What's the point of a lab coat if it's unbuttoned? I mean, it's to protect you from the evidence and the evidence from you. So I just thought it was funny. I noticed they were like, at least in one scene, I don't know if it was every scene, but it really struck me that they were wearing their lab coats, but just unbuttoned and like open. That's silly. Thank you so much, by the way. Thank you so much for talking about lab coats because literally until you all mentioned that, I was like, like I literally did just consider it a signifier of a job. Like I would not have actually thought that like, no, lab coats actually served a purpose in the lab. I would have been just Mm -hmm. like, well, here I am, but not my, you know what I mean? Like yeah, you you go to work in the warehouse, you put on a high vis safety vest. Like you go to work in a lab, you put on a lab coat. You maybe don't button it all the way, but, but thank you for reminding me that it is actually a piece of equipment. (laughs) (laughs) yeah i just have one more like well it was the same well not necessarily the same scene but it was rajan and Folsom, and the scene with the doctor and then when they were like questioning to him too it was so beyond ridiculous that they were quote testing the evidence at the crime scene and then just putting it down like that was so that was like something I feel like that was like unforgivable. I mean, I'm sure the, the technical advisors, you know, I'm sure they give feedback and I'm sure the writers ignore some of it, but that was just wild. You would never, you would collect evidence. You would take it back to the lab unless for some reason the evidence was so huge or whatever that you needed to do the test at the, at the scene. You would like, if I don't know what they were testing for, cause they never said it. I'm guessing they were spraying something like leucocrystal violet, which turns purple when it's in contact with blood. But it's like, if he has instruments, I mean, he's a doctor, like that wouldn't be weird to me, but you would never spray something like a chemical on evidence and just leave it there. That's ridiculous in terms of like, just technique. And like, what if they're, it's a hazardous material and you're leaving it that was just so wrong and like upsetting that was oh, oh. oh no oh god yeah i mean you would that and just like documentation no one's taking notes that's another big thing at a crime scene you take notes you take photographs and you take notes nothing like how are they to know if they prosecute this guy how is how are they going to prove anything they never took any notes oh uh, when they were questioning him, they were throwing out like phagocytosing leukocytes. Like this is like, okay, so they're detectives, they're forensic scientists, and then they're medical doctors. Like that's not a term like that anyone would use. That's a, that's a medical thing. Like that was just utterly ridiculous too. I love that. I'm so glad you brought that up because I remember that phrase and I remember thinking, oh my God, someone threw down some like $20 words right there. That was- I'm pretty sure he mispronounced it. (laughs) He was like, like, leukocytes. And like, I would bet a lot of money it's leukocytes. And uh, yeah, that was just a phrase that I was like- Actor, if you're out there and you want to come on to the show and uh, do a rebuttal, (laughs) we'll be happy to have you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that was basically it for my. Absolutely. Love it. Thank you. That was amazing. Thank you so much for all of that. And uh, with that, I think it's time for the IMDb's. Okay. So, well, we should first talk about just real quickly. I pronounced his name wrong. The creator, Andrew Zucker. Z-U-I-K-E-R. So he was born in Illinois, but his family moved when he was really young to Las Vegas he went to Chaparral High School, which is, we know that. We know people who yeah. got there. He actually has his name as he gave some money to have one of their new theaters built on the <laughs> campus. Good for him. He went to UNLV and he wrote a script for a film. And a buddy of his, who was also in the Jewish mob, pushed it. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> this is what it said on IMDb or, or Wikipedia or both. He was in the Jewish mob, and so somehow this was a relevant piece of information for how he had a connection to William Morris, and William Morris turned him down. But his buddy was like, 
we're going to make this happen. It's a good script. And so he got it sold to a director who was connected with CAA. And before CAA even saw it, the director gave him money. And then he wouldn't let CAA sell it to another producer. He made it himself. And apparently they didn't think much of the, uh, the film itself, but it starred Courtney Cox and John Goodman. What? Yeah, it was called The Runner. Later, he was still living in Las wow. Vegas and working as a tram operator. You remember the trams that went up and down the... Oh my goodness, yes. On the street. Oh, they were uh, the worst. Yeah, so They're yeah. Did that for eight hours a day. So he was supposed to go play basketball with friends one day. And his wife was like, no, stay and watch this show with me. He watched the new detectives on the Discovery Channel and was immediately like, I've got an idea for a show. Completely taken with it. He wrote the film. And again, he thought maybe this should actually be a TV series, but I don't really know how to do that. And he, they, he and probably the other guy, his buddy, had some friends, they uh, and they passed it on to a manager who then passed it on to the president of Jerry Bruckheimer Films, and that's how it got made. Yes, we have. So Paula Newsom, who plays Maxine Roby, the head of the department, head the CSI the department. department. One little fun fact you may have noticed, she bears an uncanny resemblance to Oprah Winfrey and is often mistaken for her. Okay. She, you can currently see her in the Spider-Man that just came out. Oh. And she's done Broadway and guest stars. She on has a, a bunch great of other presence. shows. Like she's yeah. like, if they're going to, if they're going to build the new series off of her and that yeah. thing, like good on it. Like she has great presence, like warm, knowledgeable, like, yeah. yeah and her, her, it's really interesting, her background, because a lot of people, when you look at their, their credits, they're very like on genre. Like they're just, you know, down mm. the line. We're I'm doing mystery shows that are network. That's right. it. And this is my sense of humor or my sense of seriousness. I, I do only David Fincher type work or whatever, you know, sure. very stylized kind of thing. But she has done Friends, Darwin Gray, Grey's Anatomy, also Castle, Women's Murder Club. She's also done Chicago Med. She does Chicago Hope. Her first role was, her first credit was Home Alone. You're kidding me. In 1990, she played a, a shopper in a store who tells. I, like, still though, with all that Friends work and Dharma and Grey. Yeah. She looks totally young. Like, I'm yeah. shocked. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just love the breadth of her work. Yeah. Like, CSI is not like a ha-ha-ha type of show. But, you know, she's. Dharma and Grey she can, is. She can do that. She can bridge those gaps. So that's great. Matt Loria, who plays Folsom, he's known for Friday Night Lights, Kingdom, Parenthood, Shaft. He was also he's also currently a guest star on the show Dickinson. He was born in D.C. but raised in Ireland, and I just feel like he is milking that for all it's worth. Like he's a soft Keats boy. I'm a little bit continental. Yeah, continental, soft-spoken guy. He's yeah. not like a you fresh can, American. Right, yeah, no, no, no. He's he's a little reflective. So it's a little reflective. He's just yeah. those eyes and they're just a little so sad because kinda of like fall into his eyes and just be like, Oh Yeah. Oh, you do understand. Me. And his, his like five o'clock shadow. Yeah, exactly. Definitely yeah. gives him some feels. Yeah. <laughs> so the actor I just want to point out, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, that she does not appreciate five o'clock shadow on me. I oh. <laughs> it's it's scratchy when I have it. Just but on him look at it. That's <laughs> The actress who plays Ali Rajan, Mandeep Dayan, is, or Dillion, is known for Star Wars Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker, mm. 2019, Afterlife with Chickie, Ricky Gervais, which I guess kind of throws, you know, the, throws water all over my, like, oh, it's so hard to play all those genres or to get cast yeah. in all those genres. But she has done two things, at least with Ricky Gervais. And I think he probably just really, you know, really likes her. So she's obviously got, you she's know, comedy, chops, timing, yeah. reality kind of feel to it. She's also done Doctor Who and Red Dwarf, <laughs> which also is like, that is genre. That is not like CSI Network 
Television. Well, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, Doctor Who, I guess, is considered in the UK. I would say that CSI network. is also genre to a point, but I yes, there there are not there's no spaceships or aliens. Right, right, right. Mel Rodriguez, who plays Hugo, was in Little Miss Sunshine, Panic Room, The Three Burials of Milcarias. I liked him. Estrada and The Watch. Yeah, he's great. I really also liked his handlebar mustache. Short note about Georgia Fox. Sure. Play Sarah Seidel. Did you watch, Alicia, did you watch West Wing? No. Or ER? Yes. But ER? Okay. So she was on ER. Do you remember her? Yes. She, as the vegetarian, a lesbian vegetarian. So that was like <laughs> her corner on market there at there ER. Is. Okay. And then she went to the West Wing where she portrayed Gina Toscano, a secret agent who was in charge of protecting the president's college-age daughter. I think that looking at her and then remembering Veep yeah. and Clea Duvall playing Marjorie, I'm like, oh my God, that was a total ripoff of, <laughs> they were totally of Georgia her. Fox in the West Wing. That's hilarious. Totally made me laugh. And then, okay, so, you know, William Peterson, Steppenwolf Chicago actor, CSI for ages, as well as Manhunter, which was apparently a super difficult film for him in 1986, to live and die in L.A., seeking a friend for the end of the world. Interesting fact, fun fact about him. Yes, please. He turned down a role in Platoon because he thought it was a low-paying job and the prospect of going to the Philippines for two weeks and training did not appeal to him. <laughs> so we didn't get to see him in that, but we eventually came to know him in CSI, and that changed his life. Stephen Oyang, who plays Dr. Cho, the uh, perpetrator, yes. the murderer, he does a ton of stunts. He has a, a lot of work on lots and lots of shows, and of course, video game voiceover that he's done, but he's also done stunts, and he's done stunts for video games, too. Oh, wow. And he's been, he's done DC and Marvel Universe, and he's been in Gothic Nights, and All Mankind and Insecure, and currently, you can see him guest starring on an episode of The Book of Boba Fett. He was oh. also in Jupiter's Legacy hmm. last season, and Good Trouble. He really, like, they've got a lot of people in genre on this show. Yes. Like that's, yes. That's yeah. Credits. Rich, how, Rich, Sarah, or Kiralo? Sorallo? Rich Sorallo Co. Rich Sorallo Co. Who plays the boyfriend of Ali Rajan. Mark. Mark. He was in Tenant. He was in The Walking Dead, Grey's Anatomy. Death Sentence, General Hospital, Bones, Parenthood, and it looks like his first TV credit was in Law and Order in 2003. But I brought him up because sounds like you know him. Yes, I know Rich and his more his wife, Alyssa. But yeah, we were in writing group together and she's just wonderful and he's really great too. And so yeah, they're both very talented actors and writers. Oh, wow. Oh, nice. Okay. Wonderful. There, so he was really fun to watch on screen, and we will be sad if they actually break up, but it does seem that way. So just three more people, four maybe actually that I want to talk about. <laughs> the the director of the episode, Christine Moore. One of these very like genre directors, like this is CSI is her wheelhouse, murder mystery type shows. She's done Jericho. CSI New York, The Equalizer, Elementary, Blacklist, Rizzoli, and Isles. So this is like straight down the middle for her. Yeah. She's done two episodes of this. And this show, while the creator is Andrew Zucker, the showrunner and developer is actually named Jason Tracy. And he was an executive producer on uh, Burn Notice and Elementary. And a number of other things. And so I just think that he probably has worked with, he worked with Christine on those other shows. And so sure. he was like, yes, please come back. And then also on his writing staff is, and who wrote this episode, Craig S. O'Neill, who also worked, again, worked with him on Burn Notice, 
also was an executive producer on MacGyver. And then there's the staff writer, Graham Thiel, who's credited for this episode as well. And he was also a coordinator, uh, a script coordinator on Lucifer. And he was a production staff on Scandal, White Collar, Pan Am, Criminal Minds is really where he, one of his first production Mm -hmm. staff scripts. So, yeah, so we covered the writers and the directors. Good job, writers. I mean, this is like, this is like, this is always a solid show. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is always like, they really get the procedural of it. They knew their niche with the finding, like the science in on it and the graphics. And they also like the relationship dramas were always there and they always knew how to make things super exciting. So, I mean, this is like, at its best, it was great, but it was always a really solid, exciting show. I mean, there's a reason it spawned a franchise. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Really exciting. We liked this so much that literally we watched this episode and before we started recording, Jessica was just like, you know what, when we're done with this, I'm just going to watch the next episode just to see how the season ends. Yeah. I like, want to find out who the murderer is. I mean, of, or who's behind who's, the who's whole behind big the whole thing. Yeah. Like yeah. it gets its hooks. It gets its hooks in you. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Most important question yeah. of the evening then choose your coworker, Gil or Folsom. She's thinking about it. I know, I feel like Gil would like lecture me, you know, because he likes to impart his wisdom. Uh, Folsom, (laughs) I just find like boring. Like, (laughs) oh, so you you were not drawn, like, you did not think that his eyes were just limpid pools that you could just fall into. No, I mean, he's obviously a good looking dude, but like, there's no heat coming off of him, which is kind of like, why is she like kind of attracted to him? Like, he's very blank in my opinion i'm not gonna blame the actor or the writing because i don't know what i don't know what who to blame but he's just very like they don't have banter in my opinion like i don't know it's nothing to root for yeah Ah, okay why do you disagree no I, i i'm not i'm not sure that i disagree i see all of your points and maybe I just, maybe I just fell into the whole, like, they're making goo-goo eyes at each other, so they should be together kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Because you're right. Yeah. Like, it's not like they had a whole bunch of witty repartee. And yeah. she, like, yeah, I don't know. But that's, okay. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe he'd be a better coworker because I would just ignore him and tune him out. <laughs> like, he'd be easier to avoid, perhaps. And maybe that's what they need at this place. Because let's be honest, like, the whole, like... Sarah and Gil on again off again and now Rajan and Folsom like there's someone needs to like implement like a nice sexual harassment training course at this place and just let people know what is appropriate (laughs) and inappropriate at work yes all right well thank you so much for coming back with us excited to start season two Alicia before we go do you want to let people know where they can reach you yeah uh yeah I'm on uh Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I'm at the Bika, T-H-E-B-E-E-K-A. Yeah, maybe eventually you may be able to watch my work. I've written a romantic comedy TV movie on a channel that shows a lot of those. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, here's hoping that hits the airwaves in yes. 2022 and maybe we'll guess on that. I, I guess they get together in the end. That's my guess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, everybody. See you next time. Thanks. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. And now we want to hear from you. Follow us and join the fun on Twitter at ClueDunnit. Or on Instagram and Facebook at ClueDunnit Podcast. Rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts to help get the word out. Because watching TV is always Always better better with with friends. I think 10. I think 10 crouches. What do we think? 10 crouches is a point. Does that sound good? Okay. Great. So 10 10 is the point. Do we think there's going to be more or less than 10 crouches?